This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. I'm Liz Gill. I'm usually with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified. Uh, Allison is okay, folks. Just two different things have uh, popped up that's uh, made her unable to be on our show the last couple of weeks. But aren't we lucky? We've got Q Moore customizing master tech that you can find at on Q Customs and at Auto Group. Hello, Q. Hey, how's it going, Liz? It is awesome. We're so appreciative that you could join us today. Oh, man, I'm appreciative that you would have me. <laughs> okay, so the the topic before we get to folks' phone calls or in between folks' phone calls is lock actuators and q i had to look this one up i didn't know what a lock <laughs> actuator was but now i do uh, and i guess most people don't think about their door locks until they get locked out or like my uh dodge grand caravan electrical system going kapui uh, what do we tell us something about lock actuators Oh well, there you know there are you have one in pretty much in each door, and so what happens is one will go out. Normally, you won't have them all go out at one time, and if you do, that will be like the module system, or the system that controls them all at once. So it'll be easier to to identify which one you know has is wrong. But it could do a lot of different things, lock actuators. But you also have different other types of actuators in your car as well for your heater and, you know, that controls your um, your door, blend door. It's a lot of different actuators. But the lock actuator, you know, it'll start acting up when it's going up and down. You'll hear it, and then it'll stop working, and it will work, you know. But uh, really, the only thing you can do is change it out at that point. But sometimes they have bad grounds. It depends on how old the vehicle is or if you let rain get into your vehicle door. So with the lock actuators, is there ever a warning that it's going to fail, like it stops working a little bit or it's inadvertent, or does it just not work one day? Oh, no. Sometimes it can be an intermediate. It, sometimes it'll, what the first thing you would notice is when you're trying to lock your door, that it'll jump, it'll move slightly, but not move, you know, it won't uh, work complete. It'll just shake, and then it'll start working. It'll go down, or the same thing coming up. You have to play with your lock a lot, then you'll see it come up and down. That's the first indication that it is going out, or you have some problem with the actuator. Are there little home remedies that a person could do? Uh, you talked about they don't work if uh, water gets inside the door. What if you squirt some WD-40 in it? Is that okay? <laughs> uh, no, not really, because at that point, what happens is the water, you know, the condensation from the water, I should say, starts to rust the connections or the ground. Mostly it's the ground and the power that, the, you know, that um, keeps it from working. So I would say the only home remedy you could do, <laughs> you would have to take the door panel off and check the ground on the actuator itself. Q, with our family, there's five drivers in the greater family with five vehicles. And I guess we still have a 
95 Saturn Ion and oh, it uh, it's got roll down windows. I don't think it has a electric locks. It certainly doesn't have a key fob. It just has on the door panel uh, a switch with that you you push one way or the other. It doesn't even have a, a the pop up thing on the the top of the door. Are are most all cars now? Do they have electronic door locks? Um, most cars do. If you find one that doesn't, it's because it's the the base model of that model, of that car, and it's not too many nowadays that would do that. Normally, now you're going to find mostly all newer vehicles have some type of uh, electric door lock. But if you don't find one, it just shows that they gave you the base model. But it's only a few manufacturers that probably would do that. I haven't I haven't seen one, you know, at the shop, and I actually never <laughs> since and, 2000, since the 2000s. Oh, okay. And each door has its own in actuator independently. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It has its own um, individual actuator, and most are all ran off the same fuse, but they all have like a relay. So yes, they all have their own individual. Well, you've mentioned a couple of things like condensation and a fuse. What are some of the things that could cause a failure on your lock actuator? Uh, the most common would be a short, a shortage of some type or a short to ground. And that would be same cause. It would call corrosion, and corrosion normally is caused by the condensation. Or, you know, it's for, you know, sometimes it just gets old and then it'll start uh, building up. The kind of, you know, condensation would just start to rust it out, or, you know, give it a bad connection in between. That's really going to be a common, you know, problems with actuators, well, as in before it fails. That seems like that's really something you'd have to be a detective uh, about. You know, Allison talks about not just replacing parts willy-nilly, but so I suppose if you have a lock actuator that's rusted, you could replace that. But then if you don't replace the short that, you know, caused it to get that way, you're just going to have a circle of uh, of failure. Is that right? Oh, yes. You'll be right back in the same boat because, you know, you, you, you've, like, all right, say that it is corrosion on the connector to the old actuator. Now, when it's working, it's going to get a lower percentage of voltage. So in time, that lower percentage of voltage could also start to short the new one out in time. So if the connection isn't good, you know, so, yeah, you should connect, um, replace all connectors if possible. And sometimes you, the only thing you can do is just clean the connector because nowadays it's very hard to find the pigtail of the uh, different models of cars nowadays. Q, I cannot tell you how how astounded I am. I don't know. I guess, of course, I, I don't know anything about cars. Well, I know that the oil, the oil goes in, and I know where the gas goes in and where the windshield wiper fluid goes in. But uh, the <laughs> lock actuators is something new. I'm so excited. I'm learning something new today. Now, what other kind of actuators might there be in my car that I don't even know about? Um, well, the actuators, the main actuators is, uh, will be your blend door actuator, 
and and that what it does is, is it will you know when you turn your your knob or if you have a digital type and you turn and adjust your um degrees high to cold what it does is it it's this door that will close or open depending on where you set your uh, control module it's an actuator that does that then you have your door blend actuator that also changes the direction of where it will blow like it could blow at the top vents bottom or you know both at the same time defrost those are also controlled by actuators Man, I think last week, didn't we have like four calls on people with their air conditioning? They were having a lot of problems. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. That's true. And some of those at the time I thought about that, but it would have been a whole, yeah, a whole other uh, subject on that. We're going to have more questions, more discussion. We hope you'll send us an email with your questions of your problems. Auto at mpbonline.org. Is your car under recall? We're going to have a list of ones that are when we come back. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy Stewart. The original Southern Remedy is available as a podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app. You can email a question to remedy at mpbonline.org. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash cartag. We'll see you on the road. You're listening to AutoCorrect. Q Moore, our mechanic buddy, is with us today. I'm Liz Gill. If you want even more autocorrect, find our podcast on all podcasting platforms for your smart device. Here are the recalls for the week. The 2020 and 2021 BMW X5, X6, and X7. Dealers will inspect the headlights and replace them as necessary for free. In the 2020 Volkswagen Passat. Dealers will replace the passenger front airbag for free. You can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website, nhtsa.gov recalls, and inputting your VIN number, or you could download their Safer Car app. Hey, Q, you remember also last week we had that call from a listener who said the dealer refused to repair her recall? 
Oh, yes, I do. So I went to the NHTSA.gov website, and they have listed in there frequently asked questions. If a dealer refuses to repair your vehicle in accordance with the recall letter, you should notify the manufacturer immediately. You can also file a complaint with the NHTSA at their website, safercar.gov, and provide as many details as possible, including the name of the dealership and any personnel involved. I couldn't find anywhere on their website where it said um, where it said that that the recalls expired. They did say that they wouldn't they didn't have to repair a car of, on a vehicle that was 15 years older than the year they did the recall for. So like if ah. it was a like it, I guess if it was there was a 2020 recall then they wouldn't do a recall on an 05 model. But everything oh, yes. between like a 06 and a 2020 they would they would pay for the recall for free. Anyway, uh, the dealers are supposed to do these recalls for free, and if they don't, you need to fuss about it. Q, we have four <laughs> calls waiting. Let's let's run these down and see what's going on. We're going to start right. with Randy in Biloxi. Randy, thanks for calling to AutoCorrect. What's your comment or question for us? For Q, not for me. <laughs> Thank you for taking the call. Um, I've got an old Dodge 1500 pickup truck with several actuator problems. One is mechanical in the passenger door. The actuator works, makes a noise, but it's a mechanical problem where I've got to get in there and maybe replace the cam, the thing that the actuator pushes. The other one yes. is a, a blend door. Um, and I'm investigating buying a um, replacement actuator that has metal parts instead of plastic. Mm -hmm. And uh, wanted your your uh, your take on that. Oh, on the take of the um, the actuator with the replacement with the um, the one with the metal parts. That one, I mean, that's definitely always a good one. It's uh, we do that with a few different vehicles if they if it's available, and sometimes you can just change the gears themselves to metal if they you know if they have that um, available. Um, with the door, the mechanical door, you have a problem with it. I don't know if it's you, the mechanical part is jamming. Um, that one is it's hard to say what you know what you can do. I really would have to put my eyes on it to see. But uh, I do have a lot of problems with those as well. It's just uh, a lot of them you just have to re-oil, and some of them have to just be replaced in general. I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot on the door uh, myself, but um, I always have trouble getting those door panels off and then back on successfully. Any tips? Um, yes, um, I would say for one, you want to go ahead and find the manufacturer that makes the type clips that you uh, that door handle has, so you can go ahead and have them in hand because normally they they tend to break, and so you'll have them on hand 
um, when you get ready to reinstall it. The other is I would say do not force too much of anything. Then you use a, a, um, a plastic type of puller to pull the door handle off so you won't scratch up your door, which I'm not sure how concerned you're of that. But that will be, you know, my biggest thing. When it, if it won't come off, it's, it's something you're missing. You know, that's the only thing I could really give you with that. Because I have a lot of people that try to force them and end up breaking something every time. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. Thanks, Randy. Oh, Q, if I had a nickel for every time I took something apart, I'm going to get it back together again. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Oh, I'd be rich. Okay, let's go to Pascagoula and Harry. We are so glad that you have called into autocorrect today. What's your comment or question? Hey, I got a 2008 uh Mazda 3 and yeah one of the doors when you hit the automatic lock button does it, it makes the noise but it doesn't click all the way so that's an actuator right that that sounds to be an actuator it sounds like you i would check the the uh your make sure the ground and positive are getting to it and make sure you don't have any corrosion because sometimes it, if it isn't getting enough voltage, it'll do that. It won't let it, you know, come down or up. You can probably hear it. Now, do you hear it clicking or you hear it just kind of trying to make it move? Okay, so if uh, to do that, to check it, you uh, what's the step-by-step procedure? You first remove the, the uh, door panel and you should see it right below where the switch is by the the lever or uh could you give me a step-by-step of how yes to go i could in look? oh yes what um for one you would do a visual check when you get to the actuator you'll pull the the um the pin pull the, the uh, connection apart and then take a, a visual look at the connection itself and see if you have any corrosion or anything in the pigtail or the connection the male connect itself and if it looks to be okay then you could also put, you could use a uh, jumper box, put a 12 volt jumper box, and you know it, it, it takes some maneuvering to do this. But you could put a positive on one side and a negative on the other, and make sure that it works that far. And if you, and if that does work, you can check your connections with a multimeter by mashing the button and make sure you're getting the full 12 volts on each side. Because what it does, it reverses polarity. When you push it up um, to unlock, it goes from negative to positive, and when you push it to lock, it goes to positive to negative. Gotcha. Um, okay, so if I do all that and it, the actuator is actually bad and I go to the parts store, uh, what what is the average price of replacing a door actuator these days? Just a uh, the part, part figure on the part. The part could be anywhere from twenty to um, like a little under a hundred dollars, but depending on the make and model. Yours, I would say, said I think you said it was an 08. Um, I would assume your yours would be around um, maybe in the mid side, about fifty dollars or so. I would, you know, just a guess, but it all depends on what type. Like some actuators have different types. Of, um, it could have more than one connection to it, which I don't think that one did on that particular okay. model. So it should just be a, a regular actuator and shouldn't cost you too much. All right. 
Y'all have a good day. Thank you so much, Harry. We appreciate you calling in. Let's move on down, and we've got Mary in Oxford. Mary, thank you so much for calling into AutoCorrect today. What is your comment or question? Oh, I really enjoy your show. Well, I'm having a problem with my T-fob. Used to, you could just press it with the, the flesh of your finger or thumb, and it would open the door. And now, I have to move around with my fingernail uh, to try to find a place to get it to open the door. What's happening? Oh, yeah, you're trying to find the sweet spot. Yeah, that scenario is the the key fob itself, the buttons are starting to wear out. The connections inside most likely are wearing out. Um, a lot of times you'll see people with a key fob with a nail print in it, and it's starting to tear it apart because they're trying to find that spot that keeps the that will hit the connection on it. In this scenario, you, you know, your best deal, you're gonna have to get a re, you have to reprogram and get a, another key fob. It's oh. almost nothing you can do in this con- scenario. Oh goodness, that's expensive. Not well, not not some cost. Mary, let me bring in um, another email that we had and um, let you know we had. Gosh, it may be over a year ago now. We had a, a locksmith come on from uh, came on to autocorrect, and you know he talked about you know you can get a, a, a key fob at a dealer, and that was pretty expensive, but um, he was also able to reprogram key fobs and to to do new key fobs. Really? A locksmith, at, a locksmith, and uh, that was a little less than going to a dealer. Uh-huh. Well, I know it was almost $200 to get a new key fob for this car. So. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, the, the locksmith will come to you. Uh, usually, you know, they're, they're mobile ones. Uh-huh. Um, Q, if you don't mind me stepping in, you know, that's just something as oh, a— no, not at all. As a— <laughs> I just sit here for an hour every week, and this is what I've learned from AutoCorrect is that um, uh, you might try a locksmith to see if he can do it, and, you know, if not, then, you know, the the good old dealer may be where you need to go. I know. All right. Well, I appreciate your uh, knowing about what's causing it and and what I have to do. So thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Oh, Mary, we're so glad that you called in, and, you know, that's why we've got uh, Q here. We appreciate Q very much. Um, You know, Q, this is also, in addition to Mary, we did just get an email this morning from Sharon, and Sharon lost the key lost the key fob for the 2014 Nissan Ultima. Sharon called a locksmith, and he said he could not get to the problem. Uh, there's no lien holder, and the vehicle has always been okay. The dealership wants three hundred and fifty dollars to program it. Um, do you have any suggestions for Sharon Q? 
Oh man, I wish I did. Now the only what happens, some cars they will not let you program unless you go to the dealer. We've had the same problem here at the shop as well. Some uh, manufacturers they just will not let get let out the um, type of um, technology that's needed to correct the problem to get a new you know to to reprogram. It's a, it's a lot of steps you have to go through in, in some cases. In some cases, they make you, we've, in some cases, we have to change out the whole system because it's connected to the ECM as well. So yeah, if he couldn't get, if he couldn't get it, it you know, we've been through that and some we've had to go refer out to the dealer. It was like no way around it so far. I haven't found a way around it and I'm looking. Well, we'll email Sharon and let her know to uh, listen to the podcast where you discussed her problem. And, uh, you know, Mary, also, our, I found that our locksmith came in, was on the May 2nd, 2019 podcast. You know, I... I Q, I kind of am on the side of the dealers where they don't just give out the the you, you know the manufacturers where you just can't let anybody make a new key. I remember, oh gosh, here I, I hate old people's <laughs> stories. Twenty years ago, we lost the key to our um, Ford Explorer. And we went to, no, 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 it was a Windstar. It was a Ford Windstar. And we went to the dealer where we bought it, and anyone would know where that was because it had a little little emblem on the back of the tailgate. And we just said, hi, I'm Mrs. Gill. This is my Windstar that I bought here. I need a new key. And they said, well, all right. And they made, they just gave me one. And you know, anyone could say, hi, I'm Mrs., you know, I'm Mrs. Q Moore, and, you know, look on the back of Q's car to see what, you know, his make and model and VIN number, because you can see it through the windshield, and, uh, you know, get the little place where they bought it, but... And just get a new key for your car so they didn't have to, back in the day, you didn't have to show a driver's license or anything. So I got of glad for a little yeah, bit of increased security. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, yeah it's, in some cases, though, you know, that is good. I understand on that point. In some cases, a lot of cars you can reprogram, like if you buy the right equipment. And but the thing is, some of the equipment is very expensive, and you know it'll take uh, you know nothing is foolproof. So you know it kind of, it's it's a gray area. I see what you mean though, because you wouldn't want anybody out there re- get going to the dealer and being like, hey. This is my call. I need a key. All right. Well, we better quit this conversation. Otherwise, it'll be the Liz and Q tell people how to commit crimes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Our email address where you can send questions is auto at mpbonline.org. Lock actuators and taking more of your car repair questions next what is an unreliable caller not to got by? We're going to get to that in a bit. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. 
The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. I'm Liz Gill. We've got our mechanic buddy Q Moore with us today. I hope that you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to our show on the MPB Public Media app, you can click on the support button and make a contribution. Contributions help keep our programs on the air for you, and your contribution helps others enjoy our programs also. So thank you so much for your support of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Consumer Reports has rounded up the poorest used models of the past decade. Today, we're going to caution you about the 2013 and 2014 Nissan Pathfinders. There were over 150,000 Pathfinders sold, and this group ranks in the worst in reliability and should be avoided by used car shoppers. Pathfinders from 2013 alone racked up nine separate recalls, ranging from brake issues to airbag failure, and the 2014 models made the 10 worst list. So please consider reading up on the reliability of this car before purchasing it as a used car. Suggest Consumer Reports. CarComplaints.com is another resource for unreliable car lists. And if you're interested in reviews of new cars, Casey Williams is the automotive correspondent for WFYI, a public radio station in Indianapolis. He's reviewed cars and covered the auto industry for over 25 years. His review this week is on the 2020 Ford Transit Crew and the F-250 diesel. Q, you've done a number of, uh, you know, interior jobs. I'm fascinated by, like, the van conversions and the vans that people like to live in. I love these tiny house videos and things. Um, Have you ever uh, helped anybody do a van, you know, make it uh, more comfortable and live-inable? (laughs) Um, somewhat, somewhat, not to that extent to, um, really convert one completely, but I have definitely made a more comfortable, like, um, beds in the back and televisions, you know, things like that, uh, drop down, uh, big screen, so to speak for, you know, big as a car could possibly get. Um, then, you know, vans, like you're talking that way with, um, coolers, refrigerator, refrigerators, and uh, microwaves, convert, you know, converters. I've done a lot of little things, 
you know, somewhat like that. Having I haven't had the real big job. I'm waiting on that one. <laughs> Our email is auto at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Faye and uh, find out what Faye from Brookhaven has to say. Faye, thanks so much for calling in. What's your comment or question? Yes, I'm having a problem with my air door accurator. What can you tell me about that? I've had to replace one already, and this one has started clicking. That's been two years ago that I had it replaced. And uh, it's on the Chevrolet 210 Impala. Oh, yes, they had a common problem with the clicking of the actuator. Oh, a common Um, problem? Yes, 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 that one. Oh, yeah. Well, what is the answer to it? I had had hmm? it replaced, as I said, two years ago, and now it started clicking. This one has started click, 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 you know. Um, Yes, I know exactly what you mean. As soon as you crank it up, it clicks for a few, and then it'll it'll eventually stop. Absolutely. So what's the answer to (laughs) that? Um, that you would really have to, it has to be replaced, but it is multiple. Sometimes it's multiple in most cases is multiple in that one car as well, multiple actuators. So, um, it could be another actuator has went out and it might not be the same one that you replaced. Oh, okay. I just need to go down there to the, uh, parts store, I guess, and let them decide that, huh? Uh, yes, but I would also recommend not getting the cheapest actuator they have on the shelf as well. I would well, try to get like this either. This one that I replaced was like, uh, I think it was like fifty dollars in there. I think that's what it cost. That was two years ago. Uh, other words, you're saying if when I have this replaced, it's probably not gonna last too long, huh? Uh, it it depends. Like a lot. Of, a lot of people make different products yeah. and what they yes and sometimes like the manufacturer make a mistake on a I, normally we recommend an OEM part uh-huh. but sometimes a manufacturer will make a mistake and sometimes it's better to get something aftermarket that somebody else has made a little better yeah and so it's it's hard to tell which one at the time what would be you know the best bet for that mm-hmm. model yeah. on that deal but it most it you know especially now they probably eradicated that yeah. so you so when you go to the parts store and get one like a mid-range deal uh-huh. and i don't want to say too many names on the radio because right. you know i don't want to blast nobody out but um they will point you in the right one if they feel is a very good one and so you wouldn't have uh okay. this problem recur well, good. I'm going to try it one more time. If this don't work, I'll probably just get a different car would be the answer. <laughs> Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you, Faye. We appreciate you calling in. Oh, you know, uh, Q, I've done this show for two years with Allison, but I still get it all confused. Remind me what OEM is. Uh, original equipment. Okay. All right. So that's that'd be like buying the dodge windshield wiper or buying the Ford muffler or something. Oh, yes, yes. Buying yep, like a Ford, like a starter go out. You can get an aftermarket um, starter, which would be multiple places sell aftermarket, or you could get the original equipment. 
always always uh, recommend original equipment when it's like an import, like Mercedes, BMW, because they they work better at times. It seems if you pick an OE um, component. Okay. Well, we've got some more calls to go to. Let's go to Maggie, who's calling from Wiggins. Maggie, thank you so much for giving us a call today. What's your comment or question? Well, it's about actually it's about one of the previous calls and having problems with going to be charged three hundred and fifty dollars at the dealership to I guess it was to replace the key. Or oh, the right. Uh huh. Okay. Well, the same thing happened to me, and I, I was living in Jackson at the time. And uh, actually, I still do live in Jackson. I'm just visiting Wiggins. But anyway, in the meantime, I go, and they said, oh, it's going to cost you $350. Because what happened was the, the key that had the remote on it, somehow it broke that whole part, the plastic part of it. So I got to thinking about this. I'm originally uh, retired from the computer field. And I thought to myself, I bet you there's no way they're going to program it. They're going to send for a new chip. So I went back to the dealership and took my broken key with me with the remote on it. And I said, can't you just take the chip out of my broken uh, key and place it in a new casing? Well, guess what? They sure did. Didn't cost me $350. Ooh. sent for a new chip. Oh, Maggie, I hope Mary is listening. The email, Sharon, had lost her key fob, but uh, the caller, Mary, uh, was just having to find the sweet spot in hers. So, (laughs) gosh, Mary, I hope you were listening and you heard uh, Maggie's suggestion to take your key fob with the working chip in to let them uh, just give you a new housing. Maggie, thanks. Oh, yeah. We appreciate you calling in today. All right. Uh, We have a little bit more time for your questions. We have been discussing door locks and taking your repair calls. You can always send us an email, auto at mpbonline.org. What's in the news? I'm going to tell you next. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Your old car is kind of like that hairstyle you had in high school. Really cool back in the day. But that old car is still cool when you donate it to MPB Think Radio. Go to mpbonline.org for details. Then sit back and enjoy the ride. Now that's cool. 
This is AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our live program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, autocorrect.mpbonline.org. I'm Liz Gill, and today I've got my mechanic buddy, Q Moore, with us. Q, we've got a couple of phone calls that uh, we'll take before we get into our news. Let's go to Ken, who has called in from Mize. Ken, thank you so much for calling into AutoCorrect. What's your comment or question? Had a comment, man. Um, got a 2012 Dodge Ram, and both of the key fobs went out on it. And I went and bought a security system, a Viper unit, and I'm able to open, close the doors anywhere that I have a cell phone signal. Um, I can also shut the vehicle off or um, put the air conditioning on, put the heater on, whatever. Um, my remote through my cell phone, and um, it was the price was comparable to two new key fobs. So thought I'd let everybody know about that. Oh, thank you, Ken. Um, uh, thank you for calling in. Q, what? I've, here's, I shouldn't be surprised that Liz is hearing things she's never heard of before because Liz doesn't know a lot about these car things. But what, what's a Viper unit? What was Ken talking about? Oh, it's on an aftermarket alarm system, and and they they've been around forever. But um, now you can get them installed, and it will actually do more than your um, key fob that you have um, that your you know your car your original one would do. Like you can make it, like you said, it can turn your heat on, AC. Um, you can let it roll your windows down, um, turn the lights on. You can do a lot of things. Ooh, well, this is, that's very interesting. Okay. Also, it can alert you. Okay. Well, we'll have to, that, uh, that might even be a whole show. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, let's take another call. We're going to go to V has called called in from Waynesboro. Uh, V, what's your comment or question for our show today? Hello, my question is, um, I have a 2007 uh, Toyota Camry, and I need to replace the right uh, CD joint and boot. And I want to know if I can use a Toyota part, or do I use an aftermarket part for that important CD joint? Thank you. On the CV joint, um we have definitely used a lot of aftermarket parts. We, I wouldn't say I would recommend having, you know, something to have to go back with uh, OE uh, equipment with that type of, uh, with that part. I just would not recommend getting, like I said before, I just wouldn't get the cheapest one on the shelf. But um, no, I, would, I wouldn't say you would necessarily at all have to go back with a, a Toyota part for that, that CV joint. Thank you, but get the better price part. Yes, market. yes. Oh, yes. Thank get the you. better price aftermarket. No problem. Thank you. V, we appreciate you calling in. Okay, so let's do a little chit-chat here. Um, Q, one of the things in the news, you know, hurricane season is not ending anytime soon. Let's remind folks of some of the driving in uh, the rain rules. You know, one of the the biggies is 
turn around, don't drown. <laughs> do, do you have yeah. some uh, good advice for folks on driving in the rain? Um, the, you know, it's almost a common sense factor in a sense, but, you know, like they say, common sense isn't always so common. Um, but I, I would always, in, in rain, you would want to stay a distance. But I always read lights. And if somebody hit, a, a, you know, their brake lights, you want to stay a few cars away. People tend to travel too close to one another during the rainy. And somebody, you don't know how well somebody brakes are, tires are, or anything in that, of that state that could fail. And now you're close to them expecting them to drive like you if you are a responsible driver. You know, so the, the biggest thing I would say is read people's brake lights and, you know, give yourself some time to correct a problem. Um, and then, you know, starting off fast as well. Like uh, one of my cars, had, you know, it's a rear-wheel drive. It's got a, a little bit of torque in it. And if you hit it, when you start out, it's going to fishtail all over the place. I was driving the other day. If you're in the Jackson area and you drive over by Nukes uh, on I-55, there was just a huge puddle, and I was driving through it, and the car next to me was, and they sprayed so much water on my windshield, I literally could not see for about three seconds because of all the water. I was terrified, you know, someone was going to hit me from behind or uh, I was going to, luckily I knew nobody was in front of me and, you know, there wasn't a place for anybody to pull out. But, um, you know, if there's standing water, you don't know if it's how deep it is. You don't know if the asphalt has cracked and and, uh, uh, gone away. And when there's so much water, I know that there's a lot of... uh, flash flooding that um, we're under alerts for in Mississippi often. Um, You know, looking at some news, even water that's 12 inches deep can move a car. Uh, You can just push it out of the way. So if it's coming down and if it's flooded, you know, stay out of the way. Yes, look for those potholes because they will look like a solid road at one point. And yeah, especially here in Mississippi. You know, having your your brake lights, it's not often that you walk around behind your car to notice if your brake lights are are working or not. Um, Hey, you know, with the key fob, if you have a key fob and you unlock your car, you like if you double click it, it locks it. Does that blink the taillights? Do you know? It blink that blinks mostly the marker lights. Normally, when you hook a either aftermarket or original equipment normally it will just blink the uh what we call the marker lights and uh, not the brake light all right q gosh we appreciate you uh for stepping up uh we appreciate that you brought your knowledge to the show today no, no problem no problem at all Rich. So that will wrap us up for AutoCorrect. We are so glad that we have had Kevin Farrell and Java Chapman and Michelle McAdoo helping us out. I am Liz Gill, and we want you to join us each Thursday for AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 